morning. I'm Gary McIntyre. Uh, today is an exciting day for our Questions You Ask uh, podcast. See, this is a banner episode. This is our sixth episode of this podcast. And we'd like to thank all of our loyal viewers for making this endeavor become the success story that it has become. And so we figured that the best way to celebrate this milestone episode is to have our first guest panelist. And so today we're joined by executive pastor Alan Tolliver and his father, Brian Tolliver. Now, one of the things that I get to do here is host of this podcast series, particularly in this milestone episode, is to ask the tough questions that other people are afraid to ask. Uh, this, There's one particular question that's been on the minds of members of DBC for years. And so as a lead into that question, I want to play something of a word game because after all this is a milestone episode and we get to mix things up just a little bit so i have in front of me some cards i'm going to hold them up to you so you can see them i'm going to hold them up to the camera and what i want you to do is just pronounce the word for me all right so for instance let's just start off with one that's easy live there is an alternate pronunciation and this is important for our study all right i'll take the counterpart live Live. All right. Olive. Olive. Yeah, concur. All right. Oliver. Yeah. Uh-huh. I agree with uh -huh. Oliver. Now we're getting into the, the meat of it. Tolliver. <laughs> Tolliver. <laughs> Tolliver. <laughs> Let's do this again. Tolliver. <laughs> One more time. Tolliver. It might be Talia Farrow, but we don't say it that way. I need an explanation, please. How do you go from what clearly most people would think would be Talia Farrow to Tolliver? Well, originally it was Tolliferro. Originally it was an Italian name. And one of my ancestors, or my ancestor, immigrated to London and stayed there. The family stayed there for 100 years or so, and the name got anglicized. And you know, the English just about butcher every name that comes along. Mm -hmm. So they took a good Italian name and, and wasted it. So have you ever known a time when it wasn't Tolliver? No. That's remarkable. I would add one one detail. When you're dealing with customer service, there's no point in that conversation. Yeah. So when I talk to customer service at Comcast or the credit card company, I'm just Talia Farrow. It's easier. It would almost be tempting to even just create an email alias. It's just spelled like it sounds. Phonetical. Just like it sounds. All right. So I... I I'm not 100% sure we completely answered the question, but at least it's out there for further discussion. Uh, I'm not sure it rates a, a future podcast episode or not. Fair. But, you know, hey, people want to know. <laughs> Recently, we had a discussion on what did Jesus mean when he said that he was the only way to the Father. Now, after about a 25-minute conversation, I think we determined that what he meant by that statement was that he was the only way to the Father. I think we were able to, to wrap that thing up. So when Alan mentioned that you were going to be in town and that you would love nothing more than to be a guest on our globally available discussion platform, we thought 
that your mission background might be able to add some nuance and application to our recent Is Jesus the Only Way discussion. And so first, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are, how you came to Christ, and your missions experience? Okay, I was raised on a farm in Virginia, and I didn't know any other life. I went away to college, and I began to see that uh, uh, my parental upbringing was being eroded, and it frightened me. And I prayed that God would show himself to me, and I was a co-op student working in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I came to Christ at a um, um, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship meeting. And that's how I came to Christ. And later on, I met my wife at Virginia Tech, which is where I was going at the time. And um, she was involved in missions. And when we got married, we hit the road and went to um, Florida, Daytona Beach, and we were student summer missionaries for the Baptist Student Union. And that's how we started, and we've been in missions ever since. Have you done any overseas trips, or what's, what's been your experience in that regard? Yes, we've, uh, we've been to Africa recently, the country of Ghana. I think one of the reasons I'm curious about that is because I'm kind of fascinated. What's, what has been your experience with the exposure level that people have to who Jesus is? How different is it from, say, being in Florida and talking to people about Jesus versus being in Ghana and talking about Jesus? Well, of course, it's really very different. And we were in a tribal culture of the Konkomba tribe in the northeastern part of uh, Ghana. Those people were animistic. Um, they didn't know the God that we know. And, they, and they're looking for something different. I never saw a movement of the Holy Spirit like I've seen in Africa in response to uh, the gospel. So when you go into an environment like that, did you know ahead of time, all right, this is what you're getting into, this is kind of what they believe and what you're going to have to wrestle with, or did you get down there and it's like, Oh, I got to rethink everything I'm doing down here. Well, not initially. Uh, the first thing we did was uh, I was linked to a uh, ministry called His Nets, which doesn't exist anymore. But we were distributing mosquito nets in the battle for malaria. And that got their attention. And then we were able to share the gospel through that ministry. So was that a part of the strategy, the mosquito netting, or was that something that you were doing and an opportunity arose? It was something that we were doing and the opportunity arose. Right. And so all right, so now you're, you're, you're meeting with these people. First of all, how did, did you get involved with, like, I guess you said tribal kind of people. Did you get involved with the tribal leaders, or how did you work your way into their culture? Well, there's a ministry in Yindi. And it's a native ministry, but it's Baptist-oriented, part of the Ghana Baptist Convention. And we were drawn into that ministry, and they were starting churches at a phenomenal rate. They'd send out teams, and we came back having started 10 churches in a week. Wow. And I tell pastors that, that I know back in Virginia 
about this, and they say, it's taken me a lifetime to start four churches. That's not possible. And one of my friends went uh, on a mission trip with me, and he said, I didn't think this was real, but this is real. There's a movement of the Holy Spirit across all of Western Africa, including Liberia. And it's uh, it's just amazing to to see it. So how are these churches once uh, you, you kind of get one started, how do you staff them? Because if you have 10 churches all of a sudden start, you got to find 10 pastors. How do you train them? Are you pulling them from somewhere? Or That's, that's an excellent question. And, and what we do or what the ministry uh, in existence there does is they'll, they'll present the gospel to a village. And oftentimes the entire village will accept Christ, just raise their hands in glee. Yes, we want Christ in our village. And so then we ask them to put forth some leaders that they trust who can read and be trained to be their church leaders. And those leaders then are encouraged to come to a central point in the area and be trained for a weekend. And they come every week, some on foot for 30 miles um, to be trained. And then they go back to their village and speak and read the Bible and explain the Bible to the village. So how do you safeguard, I guess, the doctrines and teachings of the Bible? Because I imagine one of the big struggles would be, all right, you have the biblical teachings, and then you have the cultural, everything. that's their life. That's all they know. Do you find that there's a lot of syncretism, if that's even the right word? Well, uh, it, it, that's an excellent question, and it's very difficult because we're asking them to leave all that they have believed in the animistic culture that they have. Some villages have what we would call an idol outside the village. So you pass by this idol. I have no idea what's inside. It's like a pot, probably some chicken feet and cockroaches and things Jeez. like that inside. I've never looked in it, but they have trouble leaving that to accept Christ and walk in his way. And it just takes over a period of time for them to just leave the old life. Right. Yeah. So these leaders, uh, the, the the people who, I guess, nominate or elected pastor or however that works, are the, I know you say that they're getting like this weekend kind of training. Are they getting any like formal training or how are they going deeper? There are seminaries being developed and beginning in that area. And uh, my wife and I sponsor a friend who's going to a seminary in Kumasi, uh, which is further south, and he's about to finish that program up. He'll come back to this area and be a pastor, but also train other pastors. And, uh, and his program is very rigorous. It's uh, similar to what Alan took. It's... Uh, it's it's quite rigorous and uh, academically sound, uh, but spiritually sound. So I'm wondering, all right, you um, you get off the plane. I'm assuming you get there by plane. Uh, you don't drive. Uh, so you, you, yeah. you get there. What are your first thoughts when you, you all of a sudden see 
what have I gotten myself into? That's exactly right. Uh, In fact, when I first went to Ghana, I went kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go. But I had promised a friend of mine the previous fall that I would go. And when the time came, it was conflicting with my work on the farm. And I, I thought, I'm, I'm going to have to pass on this. And my wife insisted, did you tell him you would go? I said, yeah, I told him. And she said, well, then you have to go. And I said, you're right. And so you, so you get there, you start meeting the people. Do you ever, like, start wondering, how am I going to do this? What, where do I start? The ministry that's there, and it's led by a person named Emmanuel Mustafa. And he had a early in his life, he had a vision of Christ in his truck. He was a truck driver. And a lot of uh, Muslim conversions occur in visions. And the Holy Spirit is definitely present in that, I believe. And uh, he, he had to declare Jesus is Lord to his village. So he's organized this thing. He brings us in and we speak and we um, share our presence and we encourage existing churches and start new ones. I'm curious, do you, while you were out, first of all, how long were you out there and how many times did you go? I've been eight times. All right. And how long would you be there? Like, you know, you're there for how long? Just back? say a couple of weeks each time. Okay. Gotcha. And so then you were, you've probably gone enough that you were able to see progress from the first time you went. Absolutely. And uh, Emmanuel Mustafa is great for bringing his people together in a gigantic convocation. And we've seen hundreds of people. uh, In fact, we observed uh, hundreds of people being baptized on one day. It was thrilling and unbelievable so these like these eight trips that you you, you've made out there what's the time span from the first time you went to the last time you were i first went in 2007 and the last time was in uh well it's before covid 2019 yeah so what then what kind of growth have you so were you ever able to see Someone who responded to the gospel, maybe on your first trip, and were you able to keep up with any of those and see how that they grew in their faith? Yes. Uh, there's one church that I love going back to. The, the village is uh, Mangini, or it looks like Mangini. Well, I mean, this looks, I was about to say, yeah. I know so, what this looks like, and uh, so I get that. And the, this is the Konkoma uh, tribe, and they speak a language called Likpakpal. But I, we go into that village for the purpose of encouraging the church, and I'm able to speak to that church in multiple times, and I've seen the influence in the village as children grow up and uh, know Christ. It's amazing. What are some of the, like, I'll hear Alan come back from Liberia, and he'll be telling stories uh, about things that went went on out there, like this this whole water thing. It's like, all they got all this water over here they didn't even know about. It's yep. just like, oh, wait, let's go check out over here. Just these God things that just pop up. I'm wondering if you have anything that you just like, wow, 
that just that just stand out? Well, the thing that amazed me, you know, I grew up on a farm in Virginia and spent my life as a farmer. And uh, I know soil. And I go into these villages, especially the better villages, the more prosperous villages. And it's an amazing soil that they have. And they grow a crop called yam. And uh, it, it's a result of uh, some bedded up ground that they plant in. And um, that's the agriculture of the region. So do you see, first of all, do you see yourself going back? Or you think your last trip is behind you? I, I think our last trip is behind us. I, uh, My wife and I, uh, she's had trouble with her knees. Uh, I have some trouble with some balance issues. And I felt like by going, we would be a drag on the team. Sometimes you get in to a truck and drive for hours uh, to get to a specific village, which might be only 10 miles away. Wow. But the roads are so poor. And um, so what we decided to do was to back up and use the money that we might have spent in going and contribute to a younger team going. And that team can be trained. So do you stay in touch with them in any way? Do you still kind of know what's going on out oh, there? Oh, yeah, we stay in touch, know what's going on. And Emmanuel Mustafa's on Facebook. You can uh, Facebook him and check him out. So now I want to back way up and take you back then to Florida and kind of contrast the mission work you did locally versus the mission work you did overseas. Because uh, we, I think we've already established that the way you present Jesus is an entirely different way than you do. More and more now in the United States, there are people who've never even heard of Jesus, which yeah. is it just blows my mind. I don't even see how that's possible. Yeah. Um, but people will be asked the question, "Hey, you know something about Jesus?" And they'll say, "Who?" And it took a long time for me to figure out. No, they're serious. They they don't know this person's name. Uh, have you ever had that experience, or did you find when you were doing work down in Florida that at least there was a passing understanding of who Jesus might be? There wasn't. Uh, the people we worked with were, <laughs> we, the, the, back then we called them hippies. I don't know what you call them today. They're just young people that are lost. What was the movie that just came out, Jesus People? Was that yeah. the one about the hippie Christian movement that started out in California? That's right. Uh, so that's so we're kind of talking about that same kind of group of people there? Yeah, the same kind of people were being— uh, I remember this one guy, long hair down to his shoulders, which was kind of new back then, this, this guy named Danny, young teenager. And uh, we had Bible studies at 2 a.m. I mean, these people would come off the beach at late hours, and— uh, my wife and I would get back home, dog-tired, phone rang one night. I had had a Bible study in which we shared Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hear my voice, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. And so... Danny called me up. Hey, Brian, this is Danny. I said, okay, Danny, how are you? He said, I was in the shower a while ago. And I finally said, okay, Jesus, quit knocking and come on in. 
I said, amen. And there was a kid that got saved because we were there. I don't know whatever happened to I was about to ask. Yeah, I was about to ask because, and I, I kind of get that because recently I was in Israel and made a friend that I didn't know is don't even know his name. I say I made a friend; he has no idea who I am. Uh, he was a part of the Israeli Defense Force, and they were all there just getting their picture made around the flag. And I wanted that same picture, so I'm taking a picture of him as a group. And as I'm taking the picture, I look up, and he's got one of these going on. And so it's like. That's that's really cool. That might actually be my favorite picture I've taken of the whole trip. Uh, and then afterwards, I kind of gave him one of these, and they gave me one of those back in a wave. And it's just like somehow we made this connection. I'll, I don't know this guy's name, yep. but he'll always be a part of that trip, and I'll always be wondering, I wonder whatever happened to this guy. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I've, I've had – kids in my student ministry who've gone on to do other things. And it's like, I've totally lost track of them, but they're always a part. I'm always like wondering, all right, what's happened to them? Uh, conversely, I see enough of them on Facebook to wonder, all right, it's time for some remedial classes. <laughs> let's, let's go back and try this one more time. So, so I get that. Gary, I had a question for my dad, if I could add one. Sure, go ahead. Why get on a plane and go to Africa? Why, why not go down the street and uh, minister to somebody that's down at the Marta station? Well, uh, even in my home church, I, I, I've heard that comment. But I go back to Acts 1.8, and Jesus said, You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We have to be in all four places, which is everywhere, locally wider and statewide, national, international. The gospel needs to go wherever there's a human being. Well, it kind of reminds me of at one point where Jesus was telling his disciples, you will do greater things than I. And it's like the, the, the question is, well, how do you do greater things than Jesus? And it comes down to this idea that as as much as Jesus was God, he was also that much man. And he couldn't be everywhere at once. And he couldn't proclaim the message all over the world. He couldn't be in Judea and Israel and Samaria and all over the world at the same time. But when you have that many people who are professing to follow Jesus and out there doing his work, that's how you do greater things than uh, he did. And so I think... Part of, and that was, I was actually meant to ask that question. I forgot to write it down. That was a great question. I think the question is, or the answer is, we can do both. There yep. should be enough of yeah. us that we can do both. Yeah. And Gary, I would just add that all of us are gifted differently for missions. And the same person who has a real heartbeat for being over in Shambly and teaching English uh, to, uh, to a new immigrant is a different skill set and a different heartbeat than a person who gets on a plane and goes to Liberia or Ghana or, or some other place at the ends of the earth. Um, it's We're gifted differently, we're equipped differently, and the Spirit puts a calling on each of us, I mean everybody, that that we're, we're, our attention is drawn to a people group or to a need or to a situation. And that's what we have to live into. We have to be obedient to the call that God's put on our life. And just as my dad has, has felt over the years very much called to Ghana, 
I've been feeling called to Liberia, um, n not in a permanent capacity, at least I don't think so. But um, if I felt that call clearly, I would go. That's what that's that's what we're supposed to do. See, one of the things I was hoping we were going to be able to do today is our, we have a missions pastor, Jeff Reams. I was hoping he was going to be able to sit in on this discussion because yep. he could fill in a lot of gaps. And I think this is a, a future discussion we have with him regardless. Uh, but he's on vacation this week. Uh, and so but I think that he would have concurred with everything that you just said, because we have an amazing missions uh, effort in our church and we have uh uh, mission partners, and we talk. We do the the whole speak teaching English thing. We do the going overseas thing. We do the whole uh, serving uh, food banks and that kind of thing yeah, on the border and all, all of, of that. that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it gets back to this idea: we can do these things because there's a lot of people that feel called to do those things. Yeah. And again, it gets back to you're going to do greater things than I did. And uh, when we take the call of Jesus seriously to go into all the world and do these things, well, then you get to see all of these results, which gets back to what you were saying earlier. God was moving to accomplish these things. Uh, well, before we close these things out, I'm curious if y'all have anything else you might want to uh, bring to the table. <laughs> How long have you got? I mean, I can go for a couple more hours. Let's talk Give the two-minute version. <laughs> uh, we have enjoyed this so much, and I got to give some credit to my wife on this. She loves going into these villages, and the first thing she'll do is uh, read children a story from the Bible. And, of course, she's got an interpreter with her. She's reading the story. She's very animated in what she does, and the you wouldn't believe the children in these villages. They come and they're thinking, my goodness, there's 500 people here. It's never that many, but it kind of looks like it. And they're close to her, and they're rubbing her arms to see if they can get this old white stuff off, you know. And and uh, it, it's a very endearing uh, to go to a village in that setting. And then that attracts women who stop what they're doing. They've been working around the, the house or their home in these villages, and they come. And then the men come, see what's going on. And that's when we share the gospel with them. That's, that's amazing. I love hearing stories like that. I'm hoping that next time you find yourself down this way, we'll maybe get to continue this again and even get into that a little bit more uh, in more detail, because I'm actually, now that you mentioned that part, I'm kind of interested, all right, what happens? You, you just mentioned it. You get the kids together, start reading them a story. Let's just lay out the progression of events that happens that gets them from hearing a story to responding to the gospel. Well, I will say that the villages we go into have been, let's say, prepped, because the, the uh, team that the local ministry sends out have already gone to the chief and gotten permission to come into the village on a certain date in the future, on a certain date, and speak to the village about Jesus. Can we have your permission to do that? And most every chief in that culture agrees to that. He wants to see what this is all about. And so then the village is prepared 
and we go into that village. They're expecting us. The children come. The women come. The men come. We start with singing. And these villages already know some of the Christian songs that they sing in that area. And, and then we present the gospel. That's an evangelistic message doesn't last very long. It's interpreted. And then the uh, local minister or the, uh, the part of the team, evangelistic team, asks the village, how do you respond? Are you willing to accept Christ into your heart? Individually, into your heart. And sometimes they'll look at each other like, what about you? You know, as if to say, and then all of a sudden the whole village erupts and they say, we want to accept Christ. The uh, the individualistic response in Western culture is different than in Africa. It's much more of a communal emphasis. Yeah. Um, and you, your, your influences and your mentors influence your decision for Christ. But it's not different in, that different in student ministry. You're right. Yes. You're right about that. Yeah, because I can't tell you how many times I'll be at some kind of youth conference or something, and they're doing the same thing. They're kind of looking at each other. You going down? I'm going down if you go down. Uh, so, right. yeah, it's, it's amazing yeah. how it's like decisions are made based upon what the decision of the person next to them uh, might be. You'd mentioned a minute ago about the music. Uh, do you? Do they bring in music that's new to them? I'm just kind of curious, do they take songs and tunes that they're already familiar with and apply words to those tunes? Oh, there's a mix. They bring songs uh, that they sing in their language, and uh, there's always a drummer of some kind. He's either drumming on a log or he's drumming on uh, uh, some crudely constructed drums. Uh, some of these things are amazing. And to watch the hand movements of the drummers is amazing. And it's got a wonderful rhythm and spontaneous harmony. Where does that come from? It's beautiful. Yeah, you, you talk about the drum thing. I, I totally get that because uh, I, can, I can bang on a steering wheel better than just about anybody I know. I've been doing that my whole life. I can play just about any percussion instrument except a drum set. See, I, I don't understand how someone can play a drum set. Once you start putting your feet in, I'm like falling off the stool. So uh, so I, I kind of get that. All right. So, uh, Brian, I hope you get to join us uh, again. Alan, well, you're kind of a fixture now. Yeah, I was just, I was just a prop on yeah, this. So, yeah, but you did your role really well. Thank I got to say, very impressive. Very impressive. I'm not convinced we fully decided this yet, but I'm not sure we can take it much farther than we already have. I just know it's a question that's on the mind of everybody. And so, again, we'd like to thank you for joining us for this milestone episode of Questions You Ask. I mean, this has got to be like one of your best days ever. Oh, it's uh, great. Sure, I get that. I get that. Uh, well, I'm Gary McIntyre. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.